You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. We're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And remember, you can also find Locked on Packers on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Packers. It is that easy. Big NFL news that is also big Packers news. Week one in the NFL is now official. It is Packers at Bears Soldier Field Thursday night to kick off the 100th anniversary of the NFL. And you may be wondering, but Peter, didn't the Packers celebrate 100 years last season? Why, yes. Yes, they did. The Packers actually precede the existence of the NFL by a season, and Green Bay was not a charter member of the NFL. They are older than the NFL, and that is part of why I suggested that this game ought to be at Lambeau Field. Bears fans were not pleased about that, and I appreciate those of you who came to my defense on Twitter, and to those of you who didn't, why not? Let's go. Let's roll deep. Um, not, not asking anyone to, to be rude. We don't have to do that, but you know, let's, let's roll deep as, as part of locked on Packers nation. But the, the point that I was trying to make was that the NFL wants this game to be Packers bears because it is the oldest rivalry in the league. It is the most storied rivalry in the league. And if you're going to play, a primetime game between the the most storied rivals in football, or at least in the NFL, then play the game at the stadium that has that same kind of gravitas. Now, that's not what we're going to talk about really when it comes to this, because I don't think that's important. The game's in Chicago, but that is important, and that matters here because it, it sets up the rest of their schedule. Week one is a tricky week because so much is unknown and so much can be unscouted, so much can change year to year, and there are always um, not just a handful, usually a bunch of wonky outcomes that we look back a month, two months later and go, wait, who lost to what? What happened here? How did that? And, And by the end of the year, it doesn't seem to make any sense. So you don't want to you don't want to overreact to what happens in week 1. Having a game in Chicago, a game on the road that if you just put on the schedule and you threw all the games on the on the board 
and you said, okay, which games are the, are the Packers likely to win and likely to lose? You'd probably pick at Chicago and at Minnesota as games that they are likely to lose if they're going to lose any. I, I don't think that that means that the Packers are worse than those two teams. I just think those, those games are close enough that on the road you give the advantage to the home team. In week one, though, a lot of road advantages whether it's road weariness, whether it's comfort, those kinds of things, they're not really a factor. The normal Thursday night short week advantage that a home team has is not there because this is the first game of the season. And then perhaps most importantly for Green Bay, this is a week that Chuck Pagano, the defensive coordinator for the Bears, is going to have a minimal amount of preparation going into because we don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see some in preseason of what this Matt LaFleur offense is going to look like, and I, we can make reasonable assumptions. That's basically all we've been doing for the last few months is going back and looking at what the Titans look like, pulling in some Rams concepts, pulling in some Falcons concepts, but there aren't tendencies to look at. There are going to be unscouted looks that Green Bay is going to throw out. That was something that I, I think Matt LaFleur did not get enough credit for with all of the stuff going on in Tennessee. They would make these really interesting adjustments and they would have plans going into these games. Mike Patton has seen Matt Nagy's offense. And, and Mike Patton prepared for his offense in a week one last year, sight unseen. Had no idea. And, and that's not quite true. You can take the Chiefs offense that Matt Nagy was in and extrapolate and say this is probably what they're going to do. And, and Chuck Pagano is going to get to do the same kind of thing. But it, there is less translation because the teams are so different and the quarterbacks are so different. With the Bears, all the key personnel is the same. Green Bay saw this team twice last year. And personnel-wise, on defense, saw this team twice. On defense, the Bears are worse than they were a year ago. And on offense, their status quo, I mean, maybe Tariq Cohen takes a step forward. Maybe James Daniels and Cody Whitehair take a little bit of a step. Maybe Mitch Trubisky takes a step forward. But most of the other players on this team probably going to be more or less what they were last year. So Mike Patton has seen that. They haven't seen, Chicago hasn't seen this offense. And... On the other side, Matt Nagy has not seen the personnel on this defense. He saw Adrian Amos in practice, but not in the defense that he's going to be playing. They saw a lot of these defensive players last year, but they didn't see Zadarius Smith, and they didn't see Preston Smith with Zadarius Smith in this defense with Adrian Amos. They didn't see those guys. They didn't see Billy Turner last year. There is more overhaul at key positions for Green Bay than there is for Chicago. The Packers saw Buster Screen last year, and they lit Buster Screen up in New York. The Packers know what HaHa Clinton Dix is as a safety. Now, you can say the same thing about the Bears and Adrian Amos, but Amos is a better player. We don't have to rehash all of that. But so if you're going to look at this and say, where is the advantage? The advantage is with Green Bay, an Aaron Rodgers-led offense that you can't really prepare for because you don't really know what's coming. I mean, that is a scary thought for a defensive coordinator that hasn't been a successful defensive coordinator in a long time and doesn't have the personnel 
that Vic Fangio had last year because they don't have Amos and they don't have Bryce Callahan. This defensive personnel is worse. It's worse. I think you're, you can make a good case that Green Bay offensively is better. Certainly Aaron Rodgers by week one, you assume, is going to be healthier than he was in week one last year. If these receivers can take a step forward, the offensive line is going to be healthy. Aaron Jones is going to be healthy and playing for a coach that is actually going to want to give him the ball. We assume there's going to be another rookie receiver into play. We assume there's going to be a rookie tight end in the mix, along with Jimmy Graham, along with Mercedes Lewis. And even if Green Bay loses, this was the point I was making about the schedule, they're not behind. They get an extra half week to prepare for week two. We don't know who that opponent's going to be. The schedule's not out. They get an extra half week to prepare. And they lost a game in week one that they were probably going to lose whatever week it was played. No harm, no foul. Not really anyway. They still have the Lambeau game in their pocket. And if they win, that is a huge advantage in the division race because they have the win on the road and still, again, have that game in their pocket. So even though I felt like it would be a more appropriate celebration of the NFL and its history and the iconic rivalry if the game were at Lambeau, than the toilet bowl spaceship that they call Soldier Field. It being in Chicago has some advantages in the broad scheme of things for Green Bay because of the unique nature of week one and and the unique nature of this week one for the Packers coming in with basically a brand new team really on both sides of the ball. So right now there is a meeting of the NFL minds with coaches and and general managers and owners to discuss rule changes. And there's some replay changes and and we can get into those things. If those things pass, we don't, I don't want to speculate on it right now because we don't know what those, what those rule changes might look like. I do want to talk about something Brian Gutekind said in an interview with Larry McCarron for Packers.com. And he mentioned Tremont Williams. And after the Amos deal, you know, I think there's there's obvious questions about their plans there. And I have made the case that I think for now, the plan is Tremont Williams. Well, Brian Gutekind said, and this is a quote now, I think naturally Tremont is more of a corner, but he can do it all. He's such an unselfish player and such a pro that I think he'll go wherever he fits in or whatever makes the team best. I think naturally he's more of a corner. Twice, Brian Gutekind said, He's more of a corner, naturally a corner. That is interesting. Green Bay, their priority, maybe number one, was Adrian Amos. They got him. And as I've said before, Mike Patton, the single high versus two deep safety, he wants safeties that can do both. And Adrian Amos is that guy. It seems like right now, you know, there have been players that have come off the market. Guys like Trey Boston still out there. Green Bay had a chance to sign Trey Boston last year, didn't. But if it's the case that the Packers view Tremont Williams more as a corner, then it it brings a couple things into focus. It allows us to say, okay, he's probably going to play that third or fourth corner, that specialized role that Bashad Breland filled at times last year where maybe he's going to play on the outside, maybe he's going to play on the inside, but in sub-package, he's going to be on the field doing something in a cover capacity. That could be 
where we're headed here with Tremont Williams. And it could be the case that they're going to sign another safety. It could also be the case that right now, the plan, as I've stated, is Tremont Williams is the free safety. If they find a better option, they will attack it as they see fit. Between now and the draft, I find it unlikely Green Bay will make a move. I think the most likely situation is Green Bay will go through the draft process if there is a player that they like, and we talked about those potential targets yesterday. If you haven't listened to that show, I understand that there were some technical issues. Go back and listen to it. It wasn't posted right away in the morning. For some reason, our system pulled the old audio from last week. The new audio should be in there now. I do apologize for that. Uh, I, I tried to make the switch. Uh, initially, it did not take. And so, unfortunately, uh, yesterday morning, a lot of people woke up with the wrong audio. Again, I apologize. But there is a group of players, Nasir Adderley, Juan Thornhill, Darnell Savage, Amani Hooker, that could be intriguing to Green Bay. And, and there are there are other guys who I think could get in the mix. If Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has a good pro day and he, and he runs the agilities with alacrity, maybe he can get in the mix. Again, Taylor Rapp, if he runs a fast 40, he can get into the mix. If Jonathan Abram kills his agilities, he can get into the mix. Right now, those guys are just outside looking in. If they get through the draft and they don't have anyone as an intuitive replacement, then maybe they look in free agency. And they, and if Trey Boston is still available, maybe there are there are always post-draft cuts. Teams draft someone, and they like that option, and they say, okay, we're going to save some money, and we're going to cut this player. That could open up options for Green Bay. Maybe Eric Berry doesn't have a home by early May, and Green Bay goes that direction. There aren't a ton of great free agent options left. Green Bay has waited for the market to fully crater, and it, it has. Some very good players have signed some team-friendly deals. I don't think Green Bay is interested in spending a ton on another player. I think they'd rather find an option in the draft. And if after the draft is over, they they don't like their options, then they'll explore. But those words from Gudikins could be telling. He, I mean, he mentions twice in there that, that Tremont Williams is a more natural fit at corner. So logic tells us that you want the player playing at his more natural position. So if that's the case, then you got to go find a new safety. And, uh, you know, I think that the draft is the first place that they're going to look. I don't think between now and the draft they're going to they're going to make a move because it it has always been the case that the more logical direction to go is draft a safety. You go in with Tremont Williams, that bridge player, you draft someone and then you allow that player to learn to grow into that role next year. Maybe you keep Tremont Williams to play corner on a small deal, maybe you just let him walk. There is value to having Tremont Williams, a veteran that you trust on your team. By the way, he played last year and was reliable and was on the field, unlike a lot of the defensive backs that they had on this team. He played. He stayed healthy. Even at, you know, into his 30s, they know that they can rely on him. So his cap number might be a little bit high, and it is. But if there isn't a better option, there's no reason to cut him. If you can't find a better option, so they let's say they go through the draft process and they don't find a safety they like, Jamal Williams, you have him. And you signed Amos, so you got better at safety. 
you don't have to force the issue here. I know a lot of fans are, are looking around going, why don't they sign another player? And I've made the case why I don't think that, you know, Trey Boston is, is the answer here. But you don't have to do anything because you think Tremont Williams can do the job. So let the process play out. And if at any time they find a player that they think is more capable or more worth the money, they can cut Tremont Williams and, and save the money. Until he starts playing games, it doesn't really matter. So th- there's no rush here. I mean, I understand a lot of fans are, are looking at this going, why haven't they done anything? Why haven't they signed another safety? And, and I had been steadfast in believing that the reason was Tremont Williams. Well, now that this is, this is thrown a little bit into some turmoil, um, and, and you know that is my take is in turmoil because of what Brian Gutekunst is saying. But it can still be the case that Green Bay is looking at this defense and saying, okay, Tremont Williams is here. He can do the thing. We'd like to get better. But no one out there right now is really doing it for us. So let's play it out. Let's go through the process. And if one of those guys is there, and this is, this is important too, the reason you don't press is that's how you get in trouble. You don't overpay for someone who's not worth the money. And you don't want to overreach your draft spot. So Green Bay is actually in an advantageous position here because they can just roll with 38 and say, Tremont, you got this. And they don't have to feel pressure to draft a safety because they signed Amos. And for 2019, the Tremont, Amos, Green, Jones group can man the fort there. And you're better. You're better than you were last year. Especially with a full offseason from Tremont Williams. Maybe you get healthy contributions from Raven Green, who showed a little bit. You know, third-string quarterback Tim Boyle said on a podcast uh, recently that he felt like Raven Green was the the guy who was going to make the biggest jump or one of the guys who was going to make a big jump in year two in 2019. I mean, I, I, I can't say it seems likely to me, but it could be. And And... So you're okay with that. If the Packers go through this draft and don't take a safety, it's because they didn't see value at those positions. It is good to not draft players at positions where you don't see them as having value. So if Green Bay is going to take the tact of, we don't have to press, and we don't have to get out of where we feel value-wise from a money standpoint or a draft standpoint because we have confidence in Tremont Williams to do the job, that is a good position to be in. And that is something that Adrian Amos allowed them to do. That is a position he allows them to be in simply by being on the field, simply by being on their team. That has value. Does it have a monetary value? I don't know. But there's certainly value in that flexibility. And this perspective in itself has value because of what it allows you to do from a freedom standpoint. You don't have to press. You don't have to force the issue because you have a short-term solution. They don't have a long-term solution. But guess what? There are going to be players available in May. And there are going to be players available in July and August after cuts Guys that could be veterans. There could be a Josh Sitton safety that gets cut. And Green Bay's in a position to sign him. 
because they, they do still have some, some financial flexibility and they can go through this process again next year. And if they need to next year, you know, we talked about the conversion, Josh Jackson, Tony Brown, who knows how this year is going to go? Who knows? Maybe Josh Jackson turns into a star at corner. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he struggles again. And now after two seasons, now you really have to start thinking about a safety conversion. And now you've got an, an intuitive pairing, an intuitive move already built in on your team. And because you didn't press, because you didn't get outside of your plan and you didn't get outside of your value range, you put yourself in a position to make a good decision in the future. And that is the goal of any team in the team building process. Because there's free agency next year. There's the draft next year. There's trades for the next year. There are still options on how to improve this team at that position. They don't have to do anything. Jermon Williams is not a gaping hole in 2019. Now 2020, now they have a question. Now they have a problem. But there are internal options. And then they're going to be a whole new cycle a year from now of external options. So not pressing is how Green Bay has to approach this. And that seems like it's the tact they're taking. They're not aggressively looking at free agent safeties. They did have Curtis Riley in, didn't reach an agreement. Ultimately, you know, that wouldn't have cost them very much. Wasn't a, wasn't a good fit. They don't seem interested in Trey Boston. They weren't really that interested in some of these other players that, that I liked, Adrian Phillips, at the safety position. They didn't seem to be in on Earl Thomas or Tyron Matthew or Landon Collins, guys who got big money deals. So if it's not a pressing need to them and they're willing to wait and they're willing to go through the draft, then that patience indicates that even though Brian Gutekinds does view Tremont Williams as a corner and has that flexibility, the team is willing to be patient when it comes to filling that responsibility because even if they find someone, they they feel like they have a home for Tremont Williams at cornerback. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to ultimately decide if they find someone they really like. I mean, let's say they're in love with one of these safeties and they get him in the first round and they're like, well, we want to play him. You can move on from Tremont or you can play him at corner. You have options. That's what this free agency was about for them, creating options, creating avenues, and they've done that. So even if they view Tremont as more of a corner, now he has value at two positions and that opens up their all of the options when it comes to the defensive backfield in the draft and, and late stage free agency. As all the pro days wrap up in the next week or so, remember we're going to go through this and, and try and give you a, a, as best we can a board of where we think Green Bay's options will be at the different picks that they have, players that they'll likely be interested in. And uh, we're going to ramp up our draft prep uh, with guests and uh, discussions on players and and potential strategies for the Packers, reports that are being out there. The Packers uh, reportedly have a meeting with Jay Sternberger, a tight end at Texas A&M. They met with a bunch of tight ends at the Combine. They are in on tight ends in this draft early they're probably going to get one with one of their first three picks. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they doubled up. You go, you take someone, you know, at 30 or 44, and then you, you want to, you know, you have two picks in, in the fourth round. Maybe you get two guys 
in this draft and and really solidify the long-term outlook of the position because after this year they only have Robert Tanyan and they might not even have him because they got to sign him too if they want to keep him so Green Bay has options and Green Bay is looking at tight ends and that's certainly a position that I want to focus on in the next couple weeks as we turn our attention fully toward the NFL draft remember you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski had a had a listener of the show say he just realized that I was the person hosting the show followed me I think followed me on Twitter and just didn't put two and two together I was like I I say it on the show like multiple times but listen I get it I get it I appreciate you listening I appreciate you following all of those things I, it's great thank you you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at locked on Packers subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Play, everywhere you find podcasts. Remember, you can also find podcasts on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. You can play us in your car, your smart device. Locked on Packers is everywhere you want us to be, as long as you have a device. You have a smart device, it is smart enough to have Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, I, I appreciate everyone who reached out, all the texts, and DMs I got about the issue with the audio. I appreciate that. Hit me up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. And, and even when we have the wrong audio, you guys were awesome and stayed Locked On Packers.